1: One of my favorite historical locations is a stretch of road just north of Hartford, Connecticut, along the Connecticut River. There were some families living on the eastern banks of the river back in the late 1600s. They were citizens of the town of Windsor, Connecticut, which was on the western side of the Connecticut River. In order for these folks to go to town, they had to cross the river, which was no small task. The river's roughly 400 feet wide in that area. So these families on the east side of the river began to establish their own resources so they wouldn't have to cross the river. Their settlement was called South Windsor. In 1694, they formed the First Congregational Church, and they called Timothy Edwards to be their pastor. Timothy Edwards had 11 children, 10 girls and one boy. The 10 girls were all 6 feet tall, which led the townspeople to nickname them the 60 Feet of Edwards Sisters. The one boy was named Jonathan. Jonathan Edwards would grow up to become one of the great sparks of the Great Awakening. On that stretch of road in South Windsor, there are three historical markers, all within about a mile of each other. The first marker is on the side of the First Congregational Church in South Windsor, stating that Timothy Edwards was their first pastor. The second marker is on the pillar at the entrance of a cemetery, stating that Timothy Edwards is buried there. And in between those two markers is a third marker on the edge of the road that reads, Birthplace of Jonathan Edwards, first American theologian and philosopher, born in 1703, son of Timothy Edwards, he graduated from Yale at age 17, was pastor in Bolton, tutor at Yale, missionary at Stockbridge, and in 1758 became president of Princeton University where he died. His grandson, Aaron Burr, became third vice president of the United States. A number of years ago, I read a 500-page biography of Jonathan Edwards titled, Jonathan Edwards, A Life, by George M. Marsden. That's where I really got to know Jonathan Edwards, and he became probably my favorite preacher in New Testament history. Growing up in that village on the eastern banks of the Connecticut River, young Jonathan Edwards was surrounded by so many amazing manifestations of the handiwork of God. He was fascinated by the mysteries of creation and he loved to explore and ponder every wonder of nature. He would write down the things he discovered and record his questions and his observations. He bound his pages of notes into homemade notebooks, and he had a separate notebook for each category of his discoveries. He had a notebook about light, a notebook about color, one about flowers, another about spider webs. He was mesmerized by thunder and lightning. When a storm came up and everyone else was hiding in fear, Jonathan was sitting with his window open, watching and listening to the light show in the sky, recording his thoughts in his lightning notebook. By the time he reached adulthood, he had over 100 separate notebooks, recording his observations about nature. In all of his observations and ponderings, young Jonathan found himself asking one great question. Clearly, God had made his creation astonishingly functional. Everything worked together in such magnificent sync. But why did God make his creation beautiful? What was the practical function of beauty? And after considering that question for some time, he came to this conclusion. God made his creation beautiful for the enjoyment of the one creature that could appreciate its beauty, mankind. God made his functional world beautiful as his constant, I love you, to his cherished created beings, the human race. Jonathan Edwards was captivated by the love of God. It was his favorite theme. It's ironic that we associate him with the wrath of God because of the title of his most famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. The reading of his works revealed that he was consumed with the love of God. He loved to read the Song of Solomon as a description of Christ's love for his people. As he would walk in the fields as a young adult, he would meditate on the verse, I am the Rose of Sharon and the Lily of the Valleys. He wrote, The words seem to me sweetly to represent the loveliness and beauty of Jesus Christ. His words carry me away from all the concerns of the world, into a kind of vision of being alone in some solitary wilderness, far from all mankind, sweetly conversing with Christ, wrapped up in God. It was this awareness of God's love for him and his passion for God in response, that would ignite the fires of revival in his church in Northampton, Massachusetts in 1734, and that would eventually spread through all of the New England colonies. It is a tragically small percentage of believers who focus on God's love to them. Even the most dedicated of God's people are very aware of their responsibilities while they fail to soak in God's love for them every day. One of the most refreshing elements you can add to your spiritual walk is to keep yourself in the love of God, as Jude 21 says, to daily make yourself aware of how much God loves you, soak in His love, and then to love Him in return. The life of Jonathan Edwards demonstrates the value of that kind of faith. Christian, God loves you immeasurably, and He has great things planned for you. Stay the course. We pray that today's program was a blessing to
0: you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at staythecourse at nbcdanbury.org. God bless you.
1: So dear Christians, stay the course. God's